Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we will be getting into the Mavericks 133-126 to victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the first game in Dallas Mavericks history where two players have scored 40 points or above with Kyrie Irving scoring 40 in this one and Luka Doncic scoring 42. One of the more high-powered offensive affairs that the Mavericks have had this season and it was quite the sight for sore eyes, and the Mavericks sorely needed a game like this. Jaron, what was your immediate reaction to such a fun, record-breaking game? Uh, I mean, honestly, pretty much from the get-go, you knew it was going to be a great game. Uh, so many stars playing in it, James Harden, Embiid, Luka, Kyrie, of course. Um, <clears throat> you figured it would be a playoff-type atmosphere, and especially coming off such a bad loss in Indiana, or I guess in Dallas against Indiana. Um you figured the Mavericks would come out with a sense of kind of desperate and that's exactly what they did. Um, it was a pretty, you know, tight knit first half. And then the Mavericks opened it up. Of course, Philly fought back and, you know, eventually the Mavericks, uh, I guess did them over uh, late in the fourth, but yeah, without a doubt, I thought, you know, this was probably the best game that that's duo that that duo has played. Um, you know, definitely the stats show that and prove that. But other than that, I think, uh, it was it was a fun game to watch. That that's for sure. Yeah, no, there there's definitely a lot of defensive holes and issues that still have persisted throughout this one that we'll be getting into. But there was also some positives. I think that the 126 point total by the 76ers is a little bit skewed in a sense. So we'll be getting into all of that. A uh, big part of this one too was just the way that Luca and Kyrie were able to work together rather than just it being this sort of trade off of every possession and. Uh, by virtue of that, they had, you know, this insane night that you're going to be hearing about probably, you know, even beyond Sunday when the Mavericks next play this, the Suns. So we'll be getting into all of it here today, of course. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren. So getting into this one, let's go ahead and sort of seep through the game sequentially before we, you know, get into individual performances and everything of that sort. So first off, starting in that first quarter, the Mavericks were clicking on all cylinders offensively, just in the way that they were sort of using Kyrie and Luca in tandem with each other. Uh, they were running Kyrie off of, um, I actually, at one point they ran like Luca off of staggers. Um, they were using, you know, zoom actions for Kyrie. They ran him off of curl offs with Luca as the lead ball handler. And I mean, it was just leading, you know, not only to a variety of open looks for Kyrie with him being able to get the ball, you know, at the nail or that, uh, mid-range area to where he could just simply create for himself and sort of an open forum or you know if they ended up trapping there it was leading for opportunities for Luca and and the ball was just swinging around the perimeter like countlessly the ball movement um, was insane tonight it was probably one of the Mavericks better games this year in terms of their ball movement in terms of how much they were able to move it around the horn and the amount of dribble penetra- penetration and kicking out so, I mean, the offense was obviously clicking to an absolute premium in that first quarter, but 
despite the Mavericks' effort and intensity, they did still suffer some defensive woes just by virtue of the fact that they could not stop that Harden and Embiid pick and roll. It almost seemed as it was the James Harden's Rockets version that they were going up against. So what did you? What was your sort of brief summation of that first quarter in terms of how the Mavericks were able to ready to storm with offense despite not being able to um, really counteract anything was Philly was doing, not even really in, in part because it was their fault, but just more so because they really didn't have the wherewithal to stop Harden and Embiid when they got going like they did. Yeah, you know, one thing, and I mean, we've seen this time and time and time, uh, but, you know, Dwight Powell is just not a guy that you can really stick on Embiid. Uh, we saw that, you know, pretty much put to a T. Uh, the Sixers, they wanted to go out and exploit that matchup, and that's exactly what they did. We've seen at times this year, uh, you know, where Josh Green will kind of help help down on those bigger centers, and that'll kind of, you know, summate slash, like, aid. Uh, in, he did you know, a couple. He did, I think, once tonight where he actually got a strip on Embiid where he rotated over from the weak side. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think early on we didn't see that enough from the Mavericks. Embiid, and especially Harden, those two got really cooking. Um, especially in that pick and roll, as you mentioned before. But, you know, like I said, the Mavericks, they were kind of able to, not in this game really, but, you know, in history, like they're able to uh, aid, you know, by, you know, picking those weak side defenders and, you know, sliding them over, creating a help side defender. But that we didn't really see enough of. And, I mean, Joel Embiid, you know, that's a guy that you really can't, especially whenever James Harden's on – James Harden – or James Harden, Jesus – uh, is on the court at the same time. Like, you can't really double-team one of those guys at the same perfect. Like, just how we saw, you know, with Kyrie and Luka, like, you can't double-team one of those guys while they're both on the court. Um, and that's pretty much exactly what they saw, or what we saw. They were able to exploit that pick-and-roll, exploit the paint, um, and Bede got really cooking, and especially Harden. I want to say he had, like, five or six assists in that first quarter already. And it, uh, four of those, if not all of those, were pretty much assisted on Joel Embiid pick-and-rolls um offensively I think that the big thing for the Mavericks was as you said before it was ball movement uh you know with Kyrie and with Luka they're sort of like off ball tendencies like getting better and better at it um you know working off of each other that's sort of how we saw guys get open um it I, I think the best way to put it is the defense was kept guessing um you know there wasn't this sort of back and or I guess like one off one on uh, where, you know, Luca might go one possession and then Kyrie will go the next. It, there wasn't enough of that. And that that's good. Um, you know, Kyrie and Luca, they were able to work off of each other, um, whether, you know, be an off ball screen or even, you know, as you said, like coming down the nail uh, and just sort of, you know, getting assisted off of each other, like whatever it was. Um, and, you know, quite frequently they were able to find an open shooter in the corner. I want to say the Mavericks made six first quarter three pointers or something around that uh, range, if you want to check that. But uh, I, I know that they were red hot from three in that first quarter and it allowed them to, you know, sort of get off to a sizable lead. Um, you know, of course, you know, Philly started coming back as soon as they got their offense going. But uh, I, I think that's kind of what set the tide for the rest of the game was, you know, how the Mavericks were able to exploit that defense. And I know it's not a strong defense. It never has been for the re the remainder of the season. It hasn't been. Uh, but the Mavericks were able to really exploit it. And I think in terms of that, that's probably the best game that we've seen out of, you know, sort of like this eight game Kyrie era uh, Mavericks or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's obviously very impressive because uh, Philly, I believe, is ranked seventh in defensive rating. And, you know, when you talk about having to like rotate another guy 
over to help for Embiid, like you had alluded to earlier. Obviously, that's going to create open looks for the Sixers by virtue of that, especially when James Harden was shooting as good as he was. Um, he was nailing his step backs tonight. Like I said, it did almost look reminiscent of his old self just from that perspective. And that, you know, that's a tough guard for the Mavericks, much less really any team. But, the, you know, when, with a team that's basically, you know, stricken with personnel issues in terms of their defensive versatility like the Mavericks are, you know, that's a lot to ask you to, you know, also have to rotate over to guys like DeAnthony Melton, who are able to effectively attack off a closeout and things like that. You know, he had a pretty good first and second quarter, but I, I do tend to agree with you about, you know, what you said regarding how the Mavericks offense was just so dynamic within that first quarter and, you know, how that basically um, sort of evolved into that being the case all game, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, as we segue here into the, second quarter of course you know it was much more or less uh more of the same for the Mavericks um I thought they did a little bit better of a job in terms of their point of attack defense we saw Justin Holiday get in there a little bit he had a few good possessions as um you know really playing up top playing good perimeter defense they ran a lineup at the beginning of the second quarter that had Kyrie Tim um Justin Holiday as well as Maxi and Christian Wood and they, I don't believe they ran it again, but I did definitely take reference to the fact that that could definitely be a solid lineup that they go to in those non-Luka minutes, maybe at the start of the second and fourth quarter, because it did actually have some defensive effectiveness. You know, admittedly, it was against that Philadelphia second unit that doesn't really have the, uh, you know, biggest names. It's like Paul Reed, you know, of course, like D'Anthony Melton, who's really good. Um you know, George's Niang and Jalen McDaniels, who played really well tonight and also picked up the most <laughs> incredulous amount of fouls um, in NBA history with four fouls in like 45 seconds. But yeah, I mean, so I, I do think, though, that nonetheless, that defensive lineup the Mavericks deployed early in that second line, uh, second quarter, um, I mean, not even necessarily defensively, it really only had, you know, two defensive inclined players in Holiday and Maxi. But by playing Maxi with Christian Wood, I thought that those were some of Christian Wood's most effective minutes in this whole game because you see how he can sort of supplement for the defensive woes that Christian Wood has at the back end, and he can kind of just freelance and act as a guy who's able to guard on the perimeter and you know chase blocks and things of that nature. So I thought that the Mavericks were pretty productive, and you know Kyrie, he was definitely looking to be the aggressor in those non-Luka minutes, even more so than. I think in previous games, you know, it wasn't just how they were working with each other. Kyrie definitely looked like he was the epicenter of the offense in those non-Luka minutes. And the Mavericks were able to sort of ride the coattails of that in those first six minutes of the second quarter, you know, uh, Philadelphia, they kind of were able to ready the storm really just with the uh, same formula that used in the first half, you know, just getting that spacing by virtue of that Harden and Embiid pick and roll they were doing a really good job at, you know, playing the middle game, I thought, because Dwight Powell, his hand was forced. I mean, there were like there was like one time in that first quarter where Embiid just buried him into the basket stanchion on like one Euro step. Um, and, and the Mavericks were their hand was forced. They were um, they were chasing on every pick and roll. They, they weren't necessarily really switching anything. The you know, the guy at the point of attack defender, he was go either going over or under on Harden and then having to chase from there. And, you know, Harden snaking the pick and roll, trying to find 
you know, that, that sort of cog in the defense to feed Embiid. I mean, that's just a tough guard because Embiid does such a good job at diagnosing where to put himself in those scenarios. You know, he, he always tries to you know, stop it from that eight to 10 foot range and shoot that little push shot. Um, and then he also has a really good um, mind for knowing you went to roll hard, of course. So, you know, I thought it was kind of as simple as that. And the Maverick, you know, of course, the 76ers were able to, you know, once the Mavericks did end up having to try and rotate over another defender, um, Tobias Harris was getting fed in the corner and he was able to take advantage of some mismatches because um, Luca was guarding him for decent stretches of this game. And admittedly, he did not have the best closeouts on him a few times. And he was able to sort of just uh, single dribble blow by him into a few tough and ones. But other than that, I mean, the offense continued to hum. And I mean, that takes us to the third quarter where the Mavericks just had this you know, real explosion. They won the third quarter 39 to 24. Um, they ended up having yet like another 30 plus, uh, well beyond 30 plus point quarter in that third quarter. And they somehow were able to remedy the Embiid situation by, you know, seemingly, you know, not only just rotating a guy over, but they, I mean, they were swarming him. And on the other side of the ball, they were involving him in almost every single pick and roll, whether it was Luca and Maxi or Luca and Powell. Uh, not really as a means that those guys were by the, or not really that those guys were like toasting and beat or anything of that nature, but they were, you know, forcing him to come up to the level of the screen and then drop every time. And they were tiring him out time in and time out every possession. You could see by the end of that quarter, he was gassed. And, um, you know, he, he was kind of forcing, you know, himself into some, some tough mid range looks that didn't drop. And uh, by virtue of that, uh, the offense really started to explode and we just saw more of the same with the way that Luca and Kyrie were operating and then came all the traps on each of them respectively anytime they had the ball above the break and they weren't using either of them as a screener in like the four and three scenario but they were using them in like that sort of middle of the ball I mean middle of the the court area to where you know the Mavericks could you know Luca could dish it to whoever was the screener in the four and three scenario and then they could kind of get it back out to Kyrie and then that, that ball movement just persisted. I mean, we saw like a lot of hockey assists from both Luca and Kyrie tonight uh, where either of them were able to just get that ball to the middle of the floor. And I mean, I thought even Dwight Powell did a great job on kicking out to shooters on multiple occasions. So, I mean, it was just, it was a sight for sore eyes to say, to say the least in that third quarter. What did you think in terms of the way that the Mavericks were able to just not only like stop Embiid, but still, you know, have that continuum of, could that continuum of that insane offensive production into that third quarter. Yeah, I think, you know, remedy of what the 76ers do is, you know, what they do so well in that pick and roll is they kind of match up on hunt. Um, they get the switch they want and, you know, go to work on that. Now with this Maverick squad, there's really not an amazing switch that you can do or you can get because either way, you know, you're going to have Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba, which, you know, Maxi's the best defender we have, but he's not a guy that can stand two foot tall or stand foot to foot with Embiid, you know, whenever it comes down one to one. Um, now, what they did so well in that third quarter is I felt like they attacked the ball at the point of attack pretty much. You know, whenever that screen first happened, they were able to trap uh, whoever it was, you know, Harden, Maxi, whoever it was at that sort of ball handler position, they were able to trap um, and thus creating like this sort of, I guess, like frantic pacing uh, between the 76ers. And that's a team that doesn't really like to go with pace. Uh, I just felt like, you know, they weren't in their position or they weren't like in their comfort zone, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, 
And thus doing so, the Mavericks were able to get off to a really, really strong third quarter start. They got up, I want to say it was a 20 to four run at one point. Um, and yeah, I like what you pointed out with, you know, Dwight Powell being the guy who oftentimes would get the, you know, a really nice pass in from, you know, either Kyrie or Luca, and then would kick out to the corner shooters. And that's what resulted in the hockey assist. There was so many hockey assists talked about that they even had a hockey segment on the TNT broadcast. So um, that's crazy. (laughs) I know. Well, they, it wasn't a, it wasn't a like hockey talk. It was like, they just showed the banner. I need your Um, quick thoughts because there was a lot of discourse on Twitter. What did you think of Reggie Miller's broadcast performance tonight? Oh, okay. I even texted you in the middle. I thought it was pretty, pretty well. Um, You're going to get a lot of that. Yeah. I was like, I think it, I think it tailed off towards the end of course, but I I don't know. I'm I'm a stick in the boat. I think he had a pretty decent, uh, it was one of his better ones. I'll say that. Um, Yeah. It's always a weird like contrast. Like when you look at like each of his performances, cause he knows, I do push back on people like saying that he like doesn't know basketball or anything like that. Cause he does know what he's talking about and he does provide like good anecdotes from when he was playing and things of that nature, but he does have a tendency to just like kind of overblow things. And like, yeah, if, yeah. if, if he sees like one of his points that he made early in the broadcast, be correct. He's going to, you know, make, he better, he's going to make, make it known that that was correct. And he's going <laughs> to hit the hammer, you know, on the nail with that point um, throughout the rest of the broadcast. But I mean, there were a couple of times, you know, where I know he got some calls on Twitter as he just continued to talk about pace and, you know, how Luca and Kyrie gelled together as they were just, you know, within five seconds of, you know, a half court setting the Mavericks were getting into their offensive flow and they had good pace and they were gelling well together. But I mean, nonetheless, I thought it wasn't, it definitely wasn't one of his worst ones. I, I actually didn't like hate it personally. I don't hate him, but you know, I, I know a lot of people out there don't have the, they have some ill will for him. So yeah, no, at least he has a better voice than Jeff Van Gundy. So that's how I feel. Uh, yeah. He, it's not as annoying, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's sort of a, I guess operate with your own judgment on that one. But speaking of that, let's get into the Mavericks pace tonight uh, before we go ahead and cover the fourth quarter, because they did increase the tempo, even when they were in half court scenarios, we saw Luca of all people uh, really pushing the tempo and he was getting into these half court sets and these actions a lot faster. Um, He was diagnosing what the defense was giving him a little faster. I mean, he was just, he was really taking heat. And I mean, he was getting into the paint faster. It it all, it looked like Luca at earlier times in the season when, you know, he was operating within the half court faster. It looked almost like 2019, 20 Doncic when, you know, he wouldn't just, you know, sort of lullaby you to sleep with some of those, dribble size ups and then shooting a late step back three it almost seemed as if Luca was you know he had, he was really hot from three tonight of course but yeah. it almost seemed as if he was using his ability to you know penetrate and kick to set that up for him so you know and obviously Kyrie is, was playing with great pace as he always does and the Mavericks were getting out in transition quite a bit uh, what did you think about that stark contrast and pace that the Mavericks had tonight from previous games especially one in which both Luca and Kyrie played because we've seen them have good pace with just Kyrie. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, Luca's comfort zone was, of course, in the half court offense where he can slow it down, you know, work his game and get to where he, pretty much where he needs to be, where he wants to be. Um, one thing I think that, of course, inserting Kyrie into the lineup does is it pushes the pace. That's without a doubt. Uh, the big learning curve for Luca was, you know, how is he going to adjust to that and how is he going to get better off that? And I think that by far, this is the best game that we've seen from him. And to be honest, you know, according to Reggie Miller, for an overweight guy, he doesn't look 
too gassed. Um, I, I swear, any national broadcast, they point that out at least like twice. <laughs> like, yeah. But, um, no, I, I mean, I here's think, the thing is like, he did preface it somewhat correctly, though. He's, he was like, you know, yeah, yeah. He's not in great shape. He is in good shape. You know, he is an athlete. Like, he wasn't just, he wasn't tone deaf to the situation. Yeah, but, but stand I, the, the sort of overt need to point that out every time does tend to get annoying. But I mean, even as mass fans, like, I'll, I'll call him out on Twitter, you know, if it's like, because Luca is insane. He's the best player on the planet, but he's not devoid of criticism. If, you know, in that Nuggets game, I, I think back right before the All Star break in particular, and there's a lot of Luca stands that came after me. And I know that, you know, I, I'm not saying that Luca playing, you know, or his lack of defense sometimes, you know, when he's getting beat or he's not trying for whatever reason, I'm not saying that that sort of overrides the insane offensive output that he's giving on the other end. I know how good he is. I know that he is doing more for this team basically than anybody. And I know that that's not some easy ask of, I mean, that's, we're talking about the greatest guy in the, you know, player on the planet, potentially, you know, if you want to split hairs between a few other guys, right. I know that's not some sort of easy ask to, to, you know, have him go also expel energy on the defensive end, but that doesn't mean that he's just completely devoid of criticism. Like, I mean, in the same sense that even the best players in the world can get criticized for whatever. I mean, if he's having a bad defensive game, you know, we can contextualize it and, you know, know that, hey, it may not really fall on his hip as much because of the offensive production that he has to have on the other on the other end. But, you know, he's also, you know, having a bad defensive game. And tonight, for instance, like I didn't think that he played like terrible defensively, but there were a few times where. He just kind of like let guys blow by him, wasn't using the baseline to his advantage, particularly when he had to close out and a guy in the corner. So, I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of get my two cents in with with that take. But, you know, I'll let you continue on, of course. No, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like I, I think I think the way – it just looked natural. I guess that's the best way to put it. It didn't look clunky. Uh, like I know at times it was kind of forced upon this season – um especially like post Kyrie trade is just kind of forced upon like uh, I know they made it a big deal that Luca was gonna have to push the pace or he's gonna have to at least help to push help push the pace and this was the first game I think that it looked natural Luca was doing it all four quarters and like I said I mean it really it really worked um they got I, I mean that 20 to 4 run or whatever it was to start the third quarter happened like all within four minutes uh guys were just banging threes left and right uh, pushing the pace, getting layups, you know, pushing four on threes. Like that's a scenario where we see Luca back off and sort of dribble it off, wait for the five on five and then work in half court, like pushing these four on three scenarios or, you know, five on fours, whatever it is. Um, it just opens up so many possibilities for different guys, you know, whether it's an open corner shooter or, you know, uh, someone dribbling in off a cutoff and getting an open layup, whatever it is. There's just so many open more or more open possibilities for this offense to work within uh, whenever they're pushing the pace. And I think, you know, the insertion of Kyrie, of course, um, you know, pushes the pace to an absolute T compared to what it was. But I think Luca adding to the pace as well or add, adding to the, I guess, like pushing of it uh, as well, like opens up so many more possibilities because that's two offenses, vaunts, offensive savants that you have on that side of the floor pushing, you know, maximum pace. And I know that the, you know, 76ers are not the best defense, of course. They're not the worst defense. They're not as bad as our defense, that's for sure. But uh, they rank seventh in the league. So, uh, like, I, I don't know how, but 
Um, it's because yeah, of defensive and beat, and you know, yeah, they like got, they're they have anchors. That's the thing. Like they have anchors on that. Yeah, team. They can they can play drop, and and beat can yeah, you know, he can switch on a bit any big in the league, and you know, obviously DeAnthony Melton, you know, that starting lineup, it, I think, is definitely misleading, right? But you know, off the bench having DeAnthony Melton, yeah. Jalen McDaniels, you know, you still got PJ Tucker. Um, they, I think they just do a really good job consolidating around Embiid, and I mean, you could see the team defense at times tonight. Even like there were some times where they kind of caught they, uh, you know, admittedly they kind of caught the Mavericks off guard uh, with a few of those steals that they had. I mean, they had nine steals tonight. The Mavericks had eight, but there were like a few times where the Mavericks were like pushing the ball in transition, and it was just like um, sort of like a, like a few like tricky steals, almost like they would like come from behind the guys. He was like dribbling up half court, like. You know, that they're just savvy in a sense. And I think that that's the sort of way that they're able to supplement around maybe not having the most all-star cast of defenders, even though, you know, they do have Embiid to anchor the paint who, you know, he speaks for himself in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, Embiid's, you know, I guess if we're, you know, pulling this back into the, like, transition comments, like this, Embiid's one of the slower, I guess, like, guys getting across the court. Like, he's not not super quick in terms of that. Um, you know, I, he, of course, like his agility footwork, all that speaks for itself, but in terms of getting back on defense, like he's not the quickest guy, if you're pushing the pace, I think the Mavericks were able to exploit that and they were able to push that to an absolute team. That's why we were put, you know, 133 points. And we even had, you know, what was like 110 points or 107 points at the end of the third quarter, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that this looked the most natural and looked the best. And this is only something that you can work off of. Like we're eight games into this experiment and I mean, I know the record doesn't really show it's like two and six or something like that, but uh, I, I think the games will come, uh, you know, we, we still have the easiest schedule remaining, but like I said, you know, they're still learning off each other. There's still something new every game. And this was definitely something new was pushing the pace. No, hundred percent. And like with pushing the pace, you know, obviously the TNT broadcast would differentiate with us here, but I mean, I thought Luca, like he didn't look like he was extremely gassed by doing no, this. No, he didn't. He didn't. You know, like he he did he did so in a manner where he wasn't like running, you know, he wasn't running from one end of the court to the other every single possession. It wasn't like LeBron-esque where he was just, you know, a, a tank, you know, with no sort of stop in sight every single time. I mean, he was pushing the pace, but, he you know, he was also doing so at a, at a pace that, you know, got the guys in transition ahead of him. And, you know, when he was in the half court, he would sort of, you know, lollygag up the floor a little bit. And then once he kind of got settled up into that, you know, right above the break or, you know, right past the three-point line, he would do a really good job, in my opinion, of, you know, just using that first step. He has such a good fast first step. And he was able to – I think that catches a lot of guys off guard when you see him sort of just lobbying down the floor a little bit and almost like labor some at times. And then boom, you know. So I, I thought he did a really good job of that tonight as well. So – Let's go ahead and segue into the, you know, third quarter, of course. Now we got a little off topic. What did you, I mean, the fourth quarter, my bad. Yeah, I was about um, to say, I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. So obviously Tyrese Maxey has like this huge, huge explosion. The Mavericks were up, I believe, like 20 points at one point in the third quarter. 20 or 21, yeah. Yeah, it was like 20 or 21. And Tyrese Maxey cuts the lead to five within like a few minutes. Just, I mean, it wasn't even necessarily bad defense. This, this Mavericks had a few late lackadaisical passes. Um, you know, in those non-Luca minutes with Kyrie there for whatever reason. They, they weren't even like, I mean, Josh Green, he had a few mishaps that I thought were kind of costly in those instances where 
he was, you know, the lead. He brought the ball up the court. It was a lead ball handler. They were kind of playing Kyrie off ball a couple times, and he had like an errant pass, and he like dribbled it off himself one time. The Sixers got a couple transition opportunities, and then that, along with Tyrese Maxey really just hitting some tough-ass shots at the end of the day. I mean, I thought, honestly, they were defended pretty well by the Mavericks. He was just making some tough stuff. You know, I, I know TNT made it a damn point to make sure that we knew that he was from South Garland High School and graduated in 2019. So if you guys didn't know that, shout-out to anybody who's from the Garland area. Uh, of course, you know, Tyrese Maxey, Dallas native. They, they made us know that about three, four times on the broadcast. But he, you know, whether it was, you know, him just, you know, coming off a screen or, you know, redirecting it and then going downhill and shooting a floater or, you know, shooting transition threes. I mean, this guy, he looked like, you know, he had some sort of like they like drugged him up and after the third quarter and he was on one. So how were the Mavericks able to counteract that at the latter half of the um, fourth quarter once they brought Luka Doncic back in because Jason Kidd in the TNT interview right before the fourth quarter started, Jaron, he, to, in response to how the Mavericks would counteract a potential Philadelphia run uh, defensively, Jason Kidd said that we're going to bring Luka and Kyrie back into the game. So that was his response to that. Um, take that with a grain of salt, if you will. I don't know if he was sort of being sarcastic or what, uh, but his tone did seem fairly genuine, and I, I don't know. It was just a weird PR move for him to say that as he's kind of had whatever. And, you know, I, I know the Maverick, he doesn't have the most all-star complement of guys to be able to de deploy defensively at a moment's notice to fix all this roster's needs. But, I mean, he I feel like he could at least do a little bit job in terms of, you know, as, as a figurehead in the media, um, just trying to, you know, being like, oh, we, we could try this because, I mean, you know, you, you never stop improving. Kyrie said at the end of the game, you can never stop improving. When asked if the Mavericks pace of play is where they wanted to, Kyrie said he can never stop improving. Jason Kidd needs to have that mentality too, Jaron. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, nonetheless, he said that at the beginning of the quarter, um, and I, I think that that raised some alarm bells once Tyrese Maxey um, basically got a cannon shot out of his ass, and <laughs> he just was making every single shot uh, with inside the arc, of course. So from that point forward, you know, we bring Luca and Kyrie back into the game and there's just this stark difference from basically the rest of the game forward from how they were able to just keep operating within each other, within tandem with each other offensively. And, you know, we saw that Maverick offense from the third quarter uh, at the latter half of the fourth quarter start to come into fruition. How did that happen, Jaren? I, I, so, yeah, I mean, definitely – as Jason Kidd alluded to, inserting Luca and Kyrie back in the lineup definitely helped aiding and that sort of offensive woe. Um, the Mavericks were able to, you know, continue punching with the 76ers as they got up to close to, it was a five-point lead, or yeah, it was only, a, it was cut to a five-point lead at one point. Um, and definitely inserting Luca made it more of an even kilt match. Um, Tyrese Maxey was still able to get his thing. He was making those, you know, just running in the lane and getting up some stupid and one like that's I mean that's how he is he's a spark plug type player and that's exactly what he was doing um it, like I said you know Luca just did a, a better job of counteracting the offensive side I think for me the big thing was inserting Josh Green into the lineup or back into the lineup after um, his you know bad start to the yeah bad quarter. start yeah yeah it once he got taken out and then inserted back in it's sort of like tailed off and that's whenever the 76ers started to get put away I know they kind of made a comeback towards the end there but uh, I think Josh Green was able to counteract Tyrese Maxey a lot. 
just with that sort of spark plug type guy, energy type player, whatever you want to call it. Um, he was, I, I think he was one-on-one with Maxi in that scenario, um, if I'm not corrected. But we pretty much, after Josh Green was inserted back in the lineup, we didn't hear any more of Tyrese Maxi outside of like a three. I think that was the last thing we heard of him. He played good defense um, on him after he came back in. He had ex- some- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, just good one-on-one defense. Like Maxi, he's a guy, he can, he's really quick. He can get to the spaces he needs. Uh, he's able to beat you off one foot. Like he's that kind of guy, but uh, Josh Green, of course, you know, his lateral quickness is able to counteract that. And I mean, he was able to pretty much stop all of the shenanigans that was going on and the Tyrese Maxey family from South Garland, who was graduated in 2019. But um, I, I think, like I said, you know, Luca, Kyrie, um, they, they did their work on the offensive end. Um, it was a like they got up to back up to a 14 or 12 point, somewhere around there. Like, I think it was like a 12 point lead. They got it back up to a sizable amount. Of course, like I said, the 76ers started to come back, but Nonetheless, too little, too late, and the Mavericks are able to pull this one out. But I think inserting Josh Green and inserting Luca back into the lineup definitely aided, um, I guess, in closing out this game. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, Luca and Kyrie just, like I said, it was just a continuum of the first three quarters, what they were able to do in that third quarter. And, I mean, obviously, just aside from the game, like, I, I kind of wanted to just harp on the fact that, like, this is like really fun, you know, when, when this is happening, because ever since, you know, the Jalen Brunson situation, you know, there's obviously been this sort of void of, you know, who's the second best player, but I I mean, never in Mavericks franchise history, have they had two guys that have been able to do what Luca and Kyrie are doing um, right now. And I mean, we saw that obviously capitalized and punctuated with (laughs) them both having you know, 40 plus point games, the first time in Mavericks history, you know, I said that in the intro, but you know, it's not one of, I, it's not an all telling stat or anything. I mean, it it could be expected of course with these guys, you know, you, when you have this compliment of two of the more savvy ball handler and creators and all-stars in our game. Right. But I mean, even if the Mavericks definitely, you know, I, I even spoke to this on Twitter. I think that they may have this sort of finite defensive ceiling, right. Who knows how far this team can go because of their lack of, you know, not only perimeter defense, but of course, interior defense. And I mean, it could had the 76ers not been on a second night of a back to back had Embiid been a little bit more healthy. I mean, who knows? This could have been a little bit of different of a game, but you know, the Mavericks did what they could and a win is a win and we're going to take it, of course. But Jaron, I just want you to speak to like the excitement of, you know, the sort of Aurora around this Mavericks team right now with Luca and Kyrie together, because I mean, now that they're re- like, we're really starting to actually see them figure things out. I mean, who, who knows what the, you know, happens in regards to the Maverick ceiling this season. Um, but like everything aside, even if Kyrie just went and left this summer, this Mavericks team is like really fun to say the least. And like, I thoroughly enjoy watching every game. And I can't say that, but you know, before this trade and everything happened. And I mean, there's real cause. Uh, I mean, there's real, obviously um, thought that if they are able to remedy some of these defensive woes this offseason, that this team could easily be a contender. I mean, who knows how far this roster is able to go now, but right now I think that we just need to be focusing on making the playoffs and what that can do for us. And because, you know, the the West is obviously so jam packed and everybody basically four through 13 is knit together. So just from your perspective, what do you think of the excitement around the team right now and the fan base compared to where it was 
earlier this season, having covered the team all season. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I mean, quote for quote, I'm loving it. Um, I, I think it, it's a much needed like revive in this team because, I mean, I guess up until February, um, you know, it was fun, but it wasn't. You know, it was cool seeing Luca go off for 50, 60, uh, like pretty much every other night in the season. It was awesome seeing that individual performance being put on. But you knew whenever Luca wasn't on or whenever Luca's, you know, was hurt, whatever it was, you knew it was going to be a bad game to watch. Um, or fact of the matter, you know, whenever Luca wasn't on for the total of like 10 minutes that he wasn't ever on, you knew it was going to be tough to watch as well. Um that has definitely changed because now you have Kyrie playing off of Luca pretty much every minute that, you know, Luca's off the floor, Kyrie's going to be on. That's a second star, you know, second best offensive player. However you want to title him. That's a guy that you insert in the lineup and it just instantly jolts the offense up. Um, and even just the morale of the team. And that's exactly what we saw. Like this team kind of looked dead in the water. You know, they were fighting for a spot. They got up to a four seed at one point, even a five seed. Uh, and they were sort of treading water there but it just didn't feel like a five seed or four seed season. You know, I know we're stuck at that seven seed right now. We're, I think we just tied the Clippers or whoever it was. I think they're playing right now, actually. So we'll see what the result of that one is. But um, I, I think, you know, this definitely feels more like a playoff squad or at least a deserving playoff squad compared to, you know, say a month ago. Uh, I, I still feel like they definitely have their holes. And I mean, that goes without a doubt. They still have their holes, uh, but they're definitely improving every, every game that they play. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I guess the intensity, the the vibes are, you know, I won't finish that sentence, but um oh, I said that, something on Twitter <laughs> tonight that was a little bit of a stark contrast from Immaculate, uh, because we don't wanna I I, I just said the redacted word, but we don't want to say that word because of Jalen Brunson, of course. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I'm not gonna reiterate that on the podcast. You guys can go to the Twitter feed if you would like to see it. <laughs> um but yeah, as Will said it, as Will tweeted it, that's how we're feeling right now. Um, yeah, I just think that there's a, a new energy in this team, and it, it just feels different. Uh, like I said, this definitely feels like more of a playoff squad, or um, as I put it, a deserving playoff squad compared to you know a month ago. But it, it's fun to watch. Uh, there hasn't been a dull game this year. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I think you know it's only going to get better from here as well. So every game is going to get more and more important. What do we have left? Like eighteen or nineteen? Uh, games left in the season 18 games and 18 games yeah and it it's just ticking down I remember you know whenever we started the season it was like okay 82 games and we got to cover all of them uh, it almost seemed impossible but here we are and we still got playoffs to go so it's fun uh, and it's only gotten funner you know since well, besides our brief Kyrie little December oh, yeah, our, our brief little two-week hiatus oh man we always we'll knock ourselves for that next year we're we're gonna go the whole way guys so we apologize about that but nonetheless um yeah I mean I, I definitely would reciprocate a lot of what you said there just in terms of the general excitement around the team and how the fan base is really getting up for this obviously there's going to be you know the downfalls and the slippages and the losses hurt a lot more because the Mavericks have made this all-in move right and you know when they're unable to compete at a level that we seem fit or the defense just isn't there and you know their lack of moves that they didn't make at the deadline really starts to come and bite them and in the tail, like obviously there are going to be times that things tend to seem a lot worse than they are. And I mean, we, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that we've been victims of the moment by sort of over-exaggerating things, but there have been some times where things, you know, have looked pretty dull 
on this team. I mean, the last podcast that I titled was literally like, um, I need to go check it out again, but I just want to confirm because it was a pretty condescending um bad title and i, I mean it, there was obviously uh, it, it, cause for concern that the maverick season might it be was something in. along the lines of like is this season in jeopardy i think it was oh yeah is the, is the dallas maverick season in jeopardy and i mean that that question is still posed like i don't i don't think i'm not going to contradict myself and say that that you know just completely goes away with one good luca and Kyrie game this doesn't cover up everything like this team still has identifiable flaws on the defensive end and you know, we, we still think they're a ways away from contention, but more often than not, the more we can see this consistency, we can see this offensive ceiling perpetuate and come into existence. Um, the, the farther that this team is going to get in the playoffs this year and the more excitement that's going to happen and the better of a chance that for Kyrie to stay. I mean, it already kind of almost, I'm not going to say that's set in stone that he stays because of the Jalen Brunson situation last year, but it seems as if there's a relatively good chance he stays. And I mean, the it doesn't, you know, we, we shouldn't have any thoughts about going in the opposite direction just because we're or trying to get our pick, you know, if we somehow were able to get into the lottery. Like, this is the team that we have, and, you know, maybe they can marginally improve it by signing some buyout guys um, and maybe, like, replacing Frank or Marquise Morris or something like that. But at the end of the day, we are at a juncture in the season where, hey, like, we may not contend, but every win is truly invaluable, and, you know, it goes to the future of this team because – you know, the, the real somber discussion isn't going to happen if the Mavericks lose in the second or third round this season. It's going to happen if Kyrie Irving leaves in free agency, you know, and, and there's just this sort of huge doom scenario. So we, we just need to, you know, keep having everything come into fruition, everything fitting together, see how this fit evolves over the coming weeks and just have fun with it. And hopefully they win as much games as possible and get as far as they can in the playoffs. But yeah, uh, otherwise... I guess another thing that I kind of want to get into, this is on a much lighter note, of course, but just um, there's some narratives I can, I guess, kind of floating around on Twitter regarding Josh Green and Jason Kidd sort of inhibiting him uh, towards failure, if that makes any sense. Uh, just from the standpoint of having, after having removed him from the starting lineup, people are saying Josh Green looks like less confident out there. He's not taking as much of heed on offense by himself. He's deferring a little bit more. And, you know, trying to play a little bit more complimentary, you know, Jason Kidd had this sort of weird pregame quote in terms of why Josh Green came off the bench. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but it was basically him listing all these different things that he does well and doesn't do well and then talked about his overfouling. So, Jaron, where are you at on that train? Do you think that that whole situation was weird? The Mavericks, of course, did start Josh Green today. Not the most insane offensive game from him. He wasn't, you know, necessarily – I guess the most inclusive guy on offense tonight, but I mean, he filled in his, he filled in his role and he, he played within himself, I think fairly well beside that uh, early fourth quarter juncture where he had a couple um, sort of not rookie mistakes, but younger player mistakes that you could definitely yeah. see there. So what did you think of his overall game tonight and that narrative that's kind of floating around Matt's Twitter? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start with the narrative side of things. Like I, I'm not taking too much credit into that. Um, I think if anything, you know, he is a younger guy. He has a lot to prove. Um, and I mean, he was kind of not thrown into the fire to start the season, but he was a big guy or a big part of, you know, how the season could turn out. Um, of course he's elevated into expectations, but I think, you know, kind of throwing him into the fire or, you know, giving him some 
like I don't even know how to put it giving him some like you know tough things to think about or you know tough situations to be put in like whatever it may be like I think if anything it grows his career a little bit better it makes him a little stronger um but again you know I'm not taking too much into that I mean Justin Holiday, you know he had one game in a Mavericks uniform played really good and then was entered in the starting lineup I think to pretty much everyone in Dallas besides you know Jason Kidd's skull it was you know the wrong move um I don't think you should take too much credence into that. You know, he was inserted after two games of Justin Holiday starting and or two or three games, I think it was. So um, are you saying but I guess like the question that fans are posing is you think Josh Green's like confidence is gonna be limited by this? No. Solve, you don't think so? No, I mean I think if anything, we saw him close out the fourth quarter really well. Like he looked really yeah. confident. He grabbed that huge offensive board. I mean, I also it's like, yeah, like I don't think that his offensive output necessarily constitutes, you know, I, I think it maybe does to an extent, but it, it, that's not, you know, the overarching theme of his game. That's not going to constitute how well he's playing or how confident he is within himself. I mean, there are times, where, you know, we, we need him to take a little bit bigger of a step, but the way, you know, I mean, and as he evolves and even gets more comfortable on that end is, and is able to alleviate more ball handling duties and things of that nature. It's like, you know, in a game where Luca and Kyrie are playing as well as they were, you know, there's no need for Josh Green to exactly. have to create any offense for himself when they could they were doing it literally every possession. But at the same time, you know, he's still playing within himself as a good role player, running in transition, still finding ways to, you know, affect winning basketball and, you know, include himself offensively. Like he did a good job of that tonight by spotting up in the corner and running in transition. So I, I think I would probably tend to agree with you. But with that being said, the caveat of that is that, I obviously don't agree with Jason Kidd's decision to just rashly insert Justin Holiday in the, the starting lineup. I think Josh Green should have, you know, kept starting the last two games. Not to say that Justin Holiday's like, I mean, he has had, kind of had a little bit negative regression shooting the last two games, but he still played well defensively. So, uh, I mean, Josh Green's just better in all, um, all aspects, really, maybe except spot up shooting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of where my head is at regarding that. Otherwise, um, you know, we obviously, I guess now kind of covered Josh Green's game at nauseum. Let's get into some of the other guys tonight. Let's just start with Luca and Kyrie and nail them off the bat, Jaron. We obviously talked about the different ways in which they were able to score tonight, but on an individual basis, each of them, how are they able, how are they able to affect the game on all three levels tonight? And um, what do you think of each of their defense tonight? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, I guess I'll speak to Luca first. Um, his offensive output was amazing tonight. You know, of course he had 42 points. I think he went six of eight from three. Um, I mean, he just had an amazing shooting night, amazing efficiency sort of game. Um, one where he was able to get to where he wanted to be, but also pushing the transition, uh, pushing the pace of the game. And of course, I mean, helping, or of course, splashing six threes in a row or not in a row, but splashing six threes, uh, definitely helps the case of that. But that's a guy, you know, you give him the ball and we've seen it time and time again, he can pretty much just do whatever he wants. And that's exactly what happened. Um, he was able to facilitate as he pleased, as he uh, pleased, whether it was getting Kyrie the ball or, you know, getting a corner shooter, you know, whatever it was. Uh, I, you know, I know Reggie Bullock was assisted on, or I guess scored on multiple Luca assists tonight. Um, and I, th- I just think that speaks colors to his game defensively. Uh wasn't the worst game, but it was a little lackluster at times. You know, there was one case where he was kind of trapped on a screen uh, where DeAnthony Melton was just pretty much taking his time. And it was a, it was a shooter. Oh, he three. didn't close out. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that he person. didn't close out. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest play that kind of sticks out. There was, you know, some other times where he, as you mentioned earlier, didn't really play the baseline really well or just kind of opened up his hips. 
and allow the defender or allowed the uh, offensive player to get just pretty much blow by him. Um, but outside of that, I felt like he was pretty ineffective or pretty effective uh, within the team defensive things. I know it wasn't the best sort of defense tonight, yeah, I but think it was had definitely a couple steals tonight. Yeah. Um, he yeah, had I was like, I don't know, but it, he looked like he deflected a couple passes. So. Yeah. He, it, yeah. His it, active hands, I think was the biggest thing. Um, now, you know, tailing on to the Kyrie boat, I, I think that's a guy again, getting to where he wants to be, uh, and pretty much just doing it at will. You know, he pushed the ball in transition. He was the main culprit in that and has, he has been, uh, since being put in a Mavericks uniform, but, um, I mean, he had some electrifying moments in this game. It kind of seems like, you know, whenever he scores or, you know, it, I don't know. He just had some amazing, you know, at the top of the key dribble moves that just, he just instantly flashes inside the paint and he's able to put up some finger roll layup and it, it just looks so magnificent. I think and that's exactly what he's doing. Crazier aspects of his game is his ability to almost look like he's doing like a meaningless move, but he's doing all these moves in conjunction with each other to like set things up. Like I, I, I call back to that one finger roll he had in the first half where I believe it was Tyrese Maxey defending him. And that first spin move almost seemed like unnecessary. You're like, why is he doing a spin move uh, basically at the free throw line? Um, but by virtue of that, he like gained a little ground on the right side and gave him like a little hesitation dribble. And he was able to basically glide in for this. You know, I don't really have any other word to describe this. So I'm just going to let it go. Extremely sexy finger roll. So I, I um, think it was a good way to put it. So. Yeah, no. So I mean, that was just his ability to really, you know, set up moves and set up the next part of the offensive play is um, second to none. I mean, obviously, he probably has the best dribble package in NBA history, um, you know, or, or one of them. So that, it, you know, it's always a sight for sore eyes tonight. But when he's really in his bag tonight, I mean, it's just extremely fun to watch. Just not him, you know, not just him coming off of like, staggers and zoom actions and you know being able to you know flash across the floor and you know pull up into his mid-range jump shot with those little in and out dribbles but when he starts cooking from the top of the key man and just gets into his bag I mean he was able to do that in a few possessions tonight uh, where it's just one-on-one with him and I mean he can do that he has the luxury to do that when he really gets going it is really fun to watch and you know as as well as Luca as you would have alluded to just you know of course I thought Luca did I mean he looked like for all the TNT discourse and stuff, like he looked like really good and in shape tonight. I mean, he was getting into those possessions quickly, passing it out. You know, he had 12 assists tonight as well as 42 points. Um, and he was just getting into those actions quickly. He was able to, you know, pass it out once he got with inside five feet. And, you know, obviously not just the threes were dropping, but he's doing a good job getting to the free throw line probings, you know, snaking those pick and rolls and, you know, drawing defenders up as he always does. I mean, it was just a stereotypical Luka game and, you know, they both played well offensively, but I wanted to speak on Kyrie's defense a little bit because I thought, you know, despite his size limitations, I mean, he's just such a savvy defender and we talk about this all the time, but his intangibles are just off the charts. I mean, there was like a, a couple of possessions where he got like some strip downs, I think on Embiid or at least like deflected the ball or, you know, caused a missed shot there. And there were a few entry passes that the 76ers threw to some bigger guys like Kyrie, like he won't call for a scram switch. Like he'll stick on these bigger guys where he's severely outmatched and he's so handsy. And I mean, sometimes it'll play to his downfall, of course, but I mean, a lot of the time, like he's so savvy and he's able to poke the ball out. So he's an extremely underrated defender by no means. Is he great? I mean, he's still, 
his, you know, limitations athletically and, you know, his size are obviously come back to bite him sometimes, especially against the best of the best. So, you know, aren't going to get faded by that, but I mean, he's just, you know, it's particularly against like guys like, you know, DeAnthony Melton. I mean, he just does a great job sticking in there. And I mean, especially if a guy is around his height, uh, 6'3", basically or under, they're going to be in the doghouse all night with the way that Kyrie plays defense. So I thought he had a hell of a defensive game tonight and he led, he catalyzed a lot of transition opportunities by him just being active and getting in passing lanes, things of that nature. He's just a very, um, he, he plays all levels of defense, if that makes sense. Like we talk a lot about how like certain Mavericks can only do, you know, X, Y, and Z defensively, like Luca, you know, when he really tries to get one-on-one defender, um, he can pick out passing lanes good, but, you know, admittedly, he's pretty lackadaisical in his closeouts. Like Kyrie, he, he tries on every aspect, and I, I did want to highlight that much, right? Um, next off, let's go ahead and nail the rest of the starters out. What did you think of Dwight Powell tonight? Because, you know, despite the limitations of having to be on Joel Embiid, I thought he played as good as he could have in, you know, having to guard Joel Embiid. And conversely, you know, he's not really going to have the opportunity to get anything with the drop that the 76ers play um, with Embiid back there. But I, I thought that, you know, he filled in the gaps. He scored like four points where he could. And I don't know. I mean, I, I thought that this was another game where we, you know, a game in which Christian Wood didn't play the best. And, you know, for the people out there that are pining for Dwight Powell to start, I mean, this is a game that kind of forwards your case. You know, we'll speak more on that a little bit later into the podcast as we kind of do every time, but um what did you think of how Dwight Powell played today, Jerry? Yeah, I thought he played, you know, a really good off-ball defender. Um, he grabbed, managed to grab three steals and pretty much all off deflections. Um, yeah, I, I mean, mean like, this is one of his more, um, like, rangy games in terms of actually being able to get steals and stuff out there. So, I, I was impressed by that. Yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, you know, his limitations were there. He's able – he got bully ball pretty much you know, not every time, but a lot of the times that Embiid was, you know, sort of going, but I think Dwight honestly had one of his better games uh, and definitely filled a better role compared to what Christian Wood did tonight. So. No. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you there. But yeah. No, I mean, just like the effort that he displayed tonight was on Embiid, you know, that's obviously a tall order. He at least tried his ass off and that that's really all you can ask in a scenario like that. And he, he played really good off ball uh, and, you know, he's not necessarily, He's a good team defender, but sometimes he does have his lapses there. So I was impressed with some of those steals he was able to get. I thought Reggie Bullock, of course, played an excellent game tonight. You know, 39 minutes, he had 15 points, all threes, went five for 12 from the field, uh, five for 10 from three. You know, he got beat at the point of attack defensively a little bit, but he kind of reconciled himself in that aspect in the um, second half. And I, I thought he made all of his corner three. He made a lot of, he made a lot of three corner threes tonight after he was missing a lot in the first half. Uh, do you, did you have any other thoughts on his game and how he was able to uh, be a benefactor off of the spacing that Luca and Kyrie were creating tonight? Yeah, I think it was definitely a rougher first half compared to the second half. I think in the second half, he's able to pick it up. Uh, offense led into defense, or I guess, honestly, defense led into offense. Uh, you know, later on in that second half, he's able to pick things up and start scoring the ball really well. Um, but yeah, defensively, just kind of leaving his hips open, guys were able to beat him off the point of attack and uh, get to the hoop and that that's kind of the biggest thing I saw but other than that I think Reggie had a really good game um, if anything he's probably the most tail of two halves type guy um, on the squad and that I still think he had a pretty overall good game yeah I thought another guy who had a great game tonight came off the bench was Maxi Kleber it's only 20 minutes tonight compared to like 24 the other night but he had nine points made three threes they were like all off of Luca kickouts where he drove 
in the paint and like had some insane wraparound pass where he drew Embiid in and everything. And Maxi did a great job stretching the floor when Embiid was in there. Um, we saw him play a little bit in that two-man lineup with Christian Wood at the beginning of the second quarter that I had alluded to. Um, but when he was even in there as the lone big, he was doing an excellent job. And, you know, obviously there were possessions where he was, you know, not able to stop and beat by himself, but everybody did a really good job, especially in that third quarter, you know, squatting around him and helping him out in that aspect. And I mean, he just played a really stout game defensively and he hit his threes, man. I mean, that's all you can ask. He's playing excellent since returning from injury. And I've been really impressed by that so far to say the least. Um, because just of the volatility of that injury and the results that have happened from, you know, hamstring tears and for him to come back so fast and his play as well as he has, you know, you can definitely maybe tell that he's um, still trying to get a little of that verticality back and that explosiveness back, but he's still playing very sound basketball and that he, he was excellent tonight. And he was one of the more underlying reasons that the Mavericks actually had a little bit of competence off the bench. Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, he didn't really have the biggest game tonight. I, did he go out? Only played 20 minutes tonight. Was that just by virtue of the starters playing more? Or? I, I think he was just largely ineffective. I believe he got hurt yeah, late he in got the hurt. third or something. Uh, I know he ended up in the locker room, but I don't know if he played after that or not. Yeah, uh, so we'll continue to give you guys updates and monitors about Tim Hardaway Jr.'s injury status. But, yeah, I, I did think – I do remember, like, very – um not vividly like that's the, the whatever the exact opposite of the word vividly would be so like very, vaguely i remember vaguely. very vaguely about uh tim hardaway jr getting hurt so we'll have to see how that situation ends up dissipating hopefully he's okay i don't you know maybe it was just something minute or something like that but when he was in there i mean i thought he did a good job offensively he got beat at the point of attack by maxi a few times and harris like he would we, we definitely kind of after that lakers game he's we've had some down-to-earth defensive moments from Tim Hardaway Jr. He's sort of reverted back to his old ways but he's still playing like very consistent basketball and that's all I can ask from him like in 20 minutes you know three for seven didn't take any egregiously bad shots made two threes and I think he was able to get a layup like that's all you can ask man like I'm I continue to be happy with the way he's playing over this recent stretch what about you Jaren? Uh, I mean I would tend to agree I think since Kyrie's become a maverick his his shot selection has become a lot better uh, we don't see any of those stupid one possession pull up threes where they just clink off the back iron. Like these are, you know, smartly taking shots, confidently taking shots. Um, we've seen him go to the rim a lot more. Um, I know defensively it's sort of been up and down as is throughout his pretty much whole career, but I think in terms of this season, it's definitely one of the better defensive stretches. And I mean, I'm impressed with what I've seen. I was a big Tim Hardaway hater. Um, and I mean, I I've become comparable. I, I, I don't mind whenever he takes a shot. So that, I guess I'm yeah. in that boat and it, it looked good tonight. So. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, Justin Holiday, he supplemented, came in and played 11 minutes. You know, he played good defense, but he only took two threes and missed both of them. I mean, people were kind of calling for his number on Twitter, but I mean, it wasn't like he had enough of a, a big enough of a shot diet for me to be very hypercritical of him. So, I mean, he played good defense when he was in there. Um, that's really all you need in those minutes. What did you think of Christian Woods game? You know, this is the last day we'll be getting into here, Jaren. Um, only 14 minutes tonight. Had a really good um run in that uh beginning of the second quarter you know into first quarter period like I had alluded to where he was able to take advantage of you know some mismatches or you know when he got up against like Paul Reed and some other dudes uh maybe not even mismatches but just you know not as good centers as Embiid of course and he was able to stretch the floor against Embiid when he was in there and he played good offensively and his defensive woes kind of got covered up a little bit by Maxi 
Um, but he kind of fell out of favor. Um, just, you know, a couple bad offensive possessions. Um, and I mean, it's, I don't know. Like he had a few, I mean, it's not even as if like the offense necessarily stopped with him in there. I mean, maybe it was a little bit slower paced when he was in there with Kyrie, but what do you, what exactly happened? Why did he fall out of the rotation tonight? Do you think that this was just a sort of thing with Jason Kidd to ride the coattails of Maxie and Wood who were doing so good and in their efforts to stop and beat in, uh, in conjunction, you know, with other players, of course, on the Mavericks, it was, it was in that third quarter. Was that the reason that Christian Wood didn't play um, past that? Like, cause I mean, he did, he did relatively well in that second quarter. What, why did he fizzle out? Was it because he didn't do good at the beginning of the fourth quarter? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I mean, Christian Wood's role on this team is sort of matchup dependent. I think that's, the biggest thing that we really saw in this game was it's just his sort of player as type, you know, or like player mold just doesn't really fit in what you need right now. Like um, you can definitely, you know, pair him off with Maxine. That's what they did. But I think outside of that second quarter, he was just super ineffective. Wasn't really used a whole lot. Um, you know, we saw Maxi or we saw uh, not Maxi. We saw Kyrie and Luca sort of have their offensive moments. And it kind of just seemed like Christian Wood was standing around. Um, we didn't even really get to see them play a whole lot of minutes together, but I, I just think, you know, when it's a third off situation where he's the, you know, third guy on the court where, you know, you can have some creation or anything like that, he's just not really used or effect or even, you know, effective in those times. Um, and I think, like I said, it was a super matchup dependent type of game, uh, when you needed offense or whenever you needed defense, you just don't Especially really because look. of Embiid. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what the big thing was, is Embiid just sort of exploits that sort of match up to a T and, you know, that's, that's what Embiid wants. Um, and Christian Wood is just unable to do that. I know if you were pairing them with Maxi and everything like that, like that's what they did. Um, even still, you'd have your troubles just cause it's, I mean, it's not the best help side defender, but like I, mean, I said, bigger you know, bodies. I thought that that was their best bet that they could have done to defend Embiid. Oh, I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. But, but it's like, I, they, I, I guess they just didn't defer to that for whatever reason down, you know, throughout larger stretches of the game. I don't know if because their, their minutes just didn't end up lining up together or what, but that was an interesting um, little uh, nook and cranny that the Mavericks didn't choose to exploit that. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely an interesting little tidbit, but um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Christian Wood's role sort of either deplete or increase uh, as we inch closer to the playoffs. But this yeah, is definitely I mean, Maxi, him playing in tandem with Maxi is his best bet to get not, you know, if he valuable. Starter yeah. level minutes because I mean that covers up some of the defensive woes, you know. So we'll see. He he's either going to be becoming it. I mean, we're going to see how the situation evolves. He's either going to become an integral part of this team within the next eighteen games in the playoffs. Uh, you know, maybe not not slowly, but at a sort of mediocre pace in the in the next eighteen games in the playoffs. Um, people could be pining for him to come back, or this is going to be the end of him, and he's probably going to leave for nothing, and we're probably not going to get a signed trade. So. It's a very volatile situation. Hopefully, it turns out favorably for us. But nonetheless, it, it it does kind of suck how this whole thing has evolved. And it's obviously very sketch. And we've covered this at nauseum. So we'll get into it more in you know, our off-season podcast and what have you. But, you know, we'll just have to see how the end of the season plays out with him. Uh, but, you know, a game against Embiid, you kind of understand. Um, are there any other guys that you wanted to go through in terms of the Sixer side? You know, we already kind of talked about Embiid and Harden. And Tyrese Maxey, and, you know, they obviously all combined for 
an absurd amount of points. Embiid had 35 tonight. And I didn't even know that was a quiet 35. One of the more quiet 35s I think I've ever seen because he got a lot of those points in the uh, third and fourth quarter. You know, he didn't have a ton of rebounds and he had no blocks tonight. Uh, the 76ers only had one as a team. But I mean, he, I think a lot of those were just kind of coming in the mid range. And, uh, you know, those like little push shots in the third and fourth quarter, a lot of them like were when the Sixers were down by 20. So I think they were, that's why they were so unnoticeable. But he played a hell of a game. I mean, he obviously scored a shit ton. What did you think about some of how, you know, any of the other 76ers players you wanted to highlight outside of the, you know, the big three in terms of Harden, Maxi, and Embiid? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I look across the board. I don't really see, you know, I think Jalen McDaniels, you know, even though he picked up those four super – not super insanely quick fouls. Um, he's he was still able to have a, a huge impact on this game defensively. He's a great defender. Um, maybe not as good as his brother, but he is still. A, yeah, no, he. Yeah. I, I don't. I actually don't think they are brothers. Uh, if you want to look that one up, I'm I don't think sure they are, bro. I, are they, I didn't know. I, I'm. I think I looked it up one time and they weren't. But maybe I'm. Maybe I'm missed. I, I don't know. Um, okay. am I trifling? No, go go ahead. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you look across the board. Uh, I, I just don't really see any names. You know, I, I like Paul Reed. I think he did a good job of just sort of stop gapping. Didn't really do a whole lot offensively, but defensively, he was just kind of a cog in the middle. And that's exactly how he played his role. Um, D'Anthony Melton, you know, we already talked about him a little bit. Uh, just sort of long, lanky defender who's got a really good offensive game. One of the best role players in all of basketball. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, he was able to get to the rack. He's a. He's, um, yeah. I think that's sort of a, a game or a, a thing of his game that not everyone knows. Um, and actually, funny fact, I didn't even know that they still had Shake Milton on this team, but I guess they do. So. No, I mean, they're, they're deep and they just don't even like use a lot of these guys as you look at yeah. the box score. But yeah, I mean, DeAnthony Melton, man, he's that just sort of all inclusive role player that any team would want to have, you know, a sort of pseudo uh, tertiary offensive creator, um, you know, who can hurt you from the mid range a little bit, but also get to the rack as well as play you know, defend one through three really well. So, I mean, he's – and he can spot up shoot. So, you, any guy would want him. You know, Georges Niang, you know, just that stretch four or whatever. No, he played – you know, he has some good games. Some not. Paul Reed played a little bit. Outside of that, they didn't have a little – like a ton of minutes. But, um, you know, they, they played their starters heavy tonight. I thought Tobias played decent that first half, but they did not defer to him offensively. They really sought production from – almost exclusively exclusively Maxi Harden and, and beat in this one. But I did look it up, and he is indeed his brother. He is the older brother. Oh, he is? Oh, okay. I thought I, for some reason, I thought they were twins, but he's actually three years older than him. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is – he was drafted in 2020 to – he was the 28th pick, and Jalen McDaniels was drafted in 2019. So I think he played all of his years in college versus um, Jaden, but – He's 25 and Jalen's 22. So now you know that for like that. the rest I, of your life. I thought I looked it up, but I guess not. So yeah, thank you for informing me. No, of course. But nonetheless, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up everything today. What a fun, exciting game. Um, hopefully the Mavericks can carry on this momentum as they play the Phoenix Suns at 12 o'clock on Sunday at American Airlines Center. I got it this time, Jaron. So take the L. But hey, hey, next time, I bet you don't know whenever they play the Sixers next time. I got this one on you. No, you, I, I, I don't know it. March 29th. So there Ooh. you go. <laughs> well, maybe we should attend that game. Me and Jaren were thinking about attending another game. It's in game. Philadelphia. Oh, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we could get the travel party out here. Man. Yeah, we'll get the travel party. We'll get, the, we'll get the plane tickets. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
a great um was it wire to wire did the mavericks trail in this one uh i think at one point it was a tie game i don't think they yeah. ever trailed but i think it was a tie it was game. almost a wire to wire victory for the mavericks and a much needed win where luca and Kyrie are the first mavericks in franchise history to combine for 40 plus points we appreciate you guys for listening this far in the podcast if you've got here we are going we're excited to be back for our next podcast of course after the suns game we'll be taking a little two-day break it'll be nice for the soul of course uh but nonetheless we will catch you guys in the next one make sure to follow us on twitter at mainstream underscore maps make sure to like and comment and subscribe if you are on the youtube gang we are the mainstream maps podcast on youtube comment is kevin durant going to shake hands with Kyrie? Post game after the Mavericks versus Suns game, comment if he's going to or not, or there's is there going to be some underlying beef in the water? Is there going to be steak Bad floating around the pool? Blood. Bad blood. We want it for playoff implications. We want bad blood. Uh, otherwise, if you guys are listening on any other podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to follow or subscribe and give a five-star rating and give us a good review. We appreciate that. If you guys please, nonetheless, we will catch you guys in the next one. This is Will from Mainstream Mavs signing out. Jeremy, signing out. What is your sign out for today? You weren't here for the last one, so you got to give a good sign out for today. Um, ladies and gents. Bye-bye. <laughs>